0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. I'm your host, Victor, and on this podcast, I recommend music and movies and usually recap TV shows week to week for friends and family. In today's episode, the season finale of The Peripheral on Amazon Prime, an episode called The Creation of a Thousand Forests. Just some notes about the show now that we've finished this season. Our next big week-to-week recap show is is coming in about six weeks, we'll be discussing The Last of Us, the post-apocalyptic HBO Max video game adaptation from the same creative team that brought us the brilliant Chernobyl miniseries starring Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey from Game of Thrones. Before we get to that recap series, the premiere episode is January 15th and expect a recap that night or the following day. We have a lot of other content. I'll be reviewing the Avatar sequel, The Way of Water, which is coming out in two weeks. I'll be reviewing The Knives Out film once it premieres on Netflix later this month, which I've already seen. It's very entertaining, but not as good as the first one, my general take, but you'll hear a full breakdown of that in a few weeks. And other reviews as well. Expect to see reviews of White Noise, an end of year recap of some of my favorite things that I've seen this year and listened to as well. And of course, in parallel, we continue to cover The White Lotus, which is wrapping up a very entertaining season in just two more episodes, there's two episodes left, and the FX comedy-drama Fleischman is in Trouble, which we'll be covering throughout the rest of December. And in some way, we'll be reviewing some TV shows that have just premiered recently, Three Pines on Amazon Prime, with Alfred Molina coming off of the huge success of the Spider-Man film last year, and Slow Horses, the... MI5 spy mystery comedy drama on Apple TV+, which had a strong season one earlier this year. And here we are within the same calendar year with a season two. And there will be two more seasons of this show based on the very popular novels. So all of that is to come even before The Last of Us in January, plus new shows that we'll be covering in January as well. So make sure you subscribe and you'll get notifications when all those become available. If you'd like to support us in some other way, Give us a five-star rating on your podcatcher of choice. Email us at any time. introduction at gmail.com. And of course, check out our back catalog of other shows you may be interested in catching up on. We covered season one of Yellow Jackets, which is coming back in March, I believe, unofficially. And other shows we've covered here that are returning. Succession, coming back for another season. Season two of Loki. And of course, Severance as well, which is now slated for the summer. All those shows we'll be covering here, and if you'd like to catch up on our coverage from last season, or if you're catching up on those shows, do check our back catalog for episodes you may enjoy. And do stay tuned after my breakdown of this last episode of The Peripheral, season one, and you'll hear Ray and Nick and I will be discussing a whole bunch of things. We have not spoken on microphone since the She-Hulk premiere episode. So this conversation was primarily going to be just lauding the very successful season one of andor which is now currently also in production with season two but as is usually the case we started talking about star wars in general we started talking about whether there should be an avatar sequel and anybody's interested in this i gave a mini review of the black panther film the sequel wakanda forever we talk about the guardians of the galaxy christmas special and we also discuss our disappointment with the finale of she-hulk and that strange experiment of a tv show And just a warning for that conversation, we don't go into deep spoilers for any of those properties, save for the previous Star Wars movies. So if you have not seen Rogue One, any of the Star Wars sequels, for example, you may want to skip around during that conversation when we do go into Star Wars territory. But I do assume anybody who's watching Andor has probably seen those films, whether you like them or not. That's coming after this breakdown of the peripheral. And with all of that out of the way, let's get into the breakdown. I've been thinking. Yeah? Line here
1: about you and your sims, how you
2: can go back, reboot, wishing I could do go back to that level with the dog again, shoot that bitch this time. <laughs> That's the thing about chess.
1: Checkmate. You fucking done. That's what makes life so hard. No rebooting.
0: Once again, this episode is called The Creation of a Thousand Forests. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that every acorn contains the creation of a thousand forests. And that's the reference here in the title. In this very episode, Flynn's mother mentions that when she was little, she and her father called her an acorn because she had so much possibility. And that's the reference we're seeing here. From this acorn, Flynn, we will see the creation of a thousand forests. Now I'll give you my final take on this season. Was it worth watching? Would I watch another season? And I'll save that for the end. But in general, this season was about Flynn and her brother Burton and how they got caught up in this conspiracy in the future where this operative Alita West in this futuristic London, 2099, was trying to manipulate the past to somehow prevent some future from occurring. We still don't know the details of exactly what that plan might be. But the way this was set in motion was by communicating with Burton in the past to download what appears to be the entire experimental history of this RI, this potentially nefarious scientific organization in the future, into this person, Burton, who had fought in the war and had these haptics implanted in his body, and supposedly this knowledge would be transferred into those haptics. Turns out that the real kick-ass, pun intended by the way, gamer in the past was actually Flynn, his sister, who does not have any of these haptics. So apparently this knowledge manifested itself as a bacterial infection within her body. So her body itself contains all of this knowledge. And this is the MacGuffin. This is the thing that the operatives in the past and in the present are trying to get their hands on. In the present day, that includes a slew of mercenaries who've been offered $10 million by the the RI to have them wiped out. Meanwhile, we have this operative, this woman who runs the RI, Sharice Newland, who once again is not even fully defined as a villain here. They're intentionally leaving her intentions ambiguous. I think for the purposes of being able to turn the tables in a future season, she has a very radical solution to preventing the unpacking of all of this information and getting to the hands of another future operative, Lev, who runs the Klepts, who are this master criminal conspiracy of the future, consolidated criminal power organizationally in London and maybe beyond. And that solution is to, to accelerate an inevitable apocalypse, which is coming, called the jackpot. And by exterminating... Flynn and her family and many, many other people, it will prevent that knowledge from getting out. Now you'd think, hey, if they're going to create this disruption in the past, is it going to destroy their future? Turns out no, because central to this whole entire show is the idea that you can create stubs, branches in your history that you can manipulate experiment in that are separate timelines. So not impacting your current timeline. You're basically communicating with an alternate timeline, which means that this version of Flynn that we're communicating with is not the version of Flynn and Burton and Connor, their friend Connor as well, who are in this same timeline. They're alternate Connors, alternate Burtons, alternate Flins. And boy, doesn't that sound confusing? Yes, this show is confusing and does not spend its time clarifying any of this. But that is the gist of it. Those are the general stakes. Oh, and of course, importantly to mention that in their present 2032 timeline, beyond these mercenaries coming to attack them, They also have a local crime boss, Corbel Pickett, who's been drawn into this by being paid to finish off what others have not been able to, as well as this assassin Bob, a former IRA agent slash terrorist, who is also trying to kill them off in the 2032 North Carolina timeline. And I only mention him because he will definitely be back for season two, despite the fact that he died last week. So let's get the basic stuff out of the way in 2032. A bunch of things happen here. Turns out that Flynn and Burton's mom not only lost her eyesight, but she is fully succumbing to this disease. And Flynn is informed that the best guess is that she'll last about 23 more days. Flynn has a conversation with her mom. Her mom is accepting of this, but Flynn feels betrayed. I was told by Wolf Wilf, that she would be cured. And Wolf basically admits that he had manipulated her by telling her a possibility was a certainty, meaning that there was a chance that this would work on her mom, but it turned out that he sold it as a certainty. That turns out to be the least of everybody's concerns, honestly. As we saw last week, Constantine, her friend from school who she has this unrequited crush on, had turned up at Pickett's house and decided that the only way out of his current circumstance was to kill everybody in the house that wasn't already dead. He shot and killed his boss, the sheriff, a really douchey guy, so... No one's really shedding any tears for this guy and thought he had killed Corbell Pickett with this percussion gun from the future, but he didn't check the guy's pulse. You really got to check that pulse. Turns out he survived. So set up for next season, Constantine might be under the thumb of Corbell Pickett. It all depends on what Pickett remembers or how Pickett decides to use that information against Tommy. Along those lines, as Pickett is recovering in the hospital, we see that his thugs are having drinks assuming that he's already dead and deciding how are they going to run this organization in the future? Jasper, who was introduced earlier in the season, once again was introduced. And basically they did nothing with this character, meaning that they were just setting him up for season two, decides the way to get the respect that they are not showing him at this moment is to allow them to get themselves super, super drunk and then leave the car on the train tracks. Despite a last minute change of heart, he tries to rescue them. They're so drunk. They can't even wake as he's banging up on the glass. And somehow he's locked his keys inside the car. Not sure how that would work. Usually those doors don't lock when you leave the keys inside. But I guess he never had that repair made on this car <laughs> or they've had it modified to do to work this way. Regardless. The train comes, kills everybody in the car, which means of course that Jasper becomes the de facto head of this crime organization at least until Pickett wakes up again. That all remains to be seen in season two. In the future, 2099, a whole bunch of things are happening here as well. We see Flynn meets with the inspector Ainsley, and she has a plan to somehow win. That's what she says. She wants to win. And this goes back to this whole idea of game mechanics within this entire show. Another core idea that's being explored here, but how is she going to win? She asks Ainsley a question that was provocatively raised last week, whether Ainsley can sever the communication between their current stub and this current timeline. Ainsley says there would be consequences. She could, so She's not actually able to do that, which means, of course, that that entire timeline in which Flynn and her family lives continues to be at risk, especially of this potential terrorist attack that would nuke the entire area and, of course, everybody she knows. And the cascade effect of that leading to an accelerated jackpot as well, so killing millions of additional people. She had hinted at the beginning of this very episode that she wanted to have a reboot. In a flashback... Connor wanted to have a reboot to have made a different decision and preserved his limbs. And that is what Flynn is looking for, too. So since she cannot sever the connection between this current timeline and her current existence, she asks Ainsley, is it possible to create a new stub? Ainsley says, yes, it is. She can't do it, but there are ways to do it. And apparently the way to do this, very strange, there are secured areas where this is governed that really feel like another level of video game. They're sort they're protected by peripherals and all of this is really bizarre because you'd figure you'd want to keep this encrypted in a computer somewhere that only Newland can get to. For example, the idea of having these honeypots out there with physical security is very strange. Regardless, that's how it works. Flynn is able to go in there, best all the peripherals that are there. She does her whole Buffy, the vampire slayer thing. And Puts a stake through all their hearts. I'm just joking. She creates a new stub branch from 2032. We don't see where those coordinates, the time that that points to. Via peripheral, she has one final conversation with Nuland. And she says, I'm going to hunt you now. And you're not going to know where I am because I'm going to destroy this watch apparently, which is the mechanism for creating these, or at least this specific stub. I'm going to have a whole little commentary here at the end about how these stubs would work just time theory in general. The part one of this plan was to create this new stub for her to branch off into. Part two is to protect the people in her current timeline. And the way to do that is to kill herself off because if she's dead, then hopefully Newland will have no reason to accelerate the jackpot here and exterminate her and her family. And for this part, she needs Connor to use his sniper skills to kill her. He tells her exactly where she's going to be she's going to count back from 10 at the side of the lake and he's going to shoot and kill her and the idea would be that ainsley will pretend that that was a hit done on her behalf to placate newland and hopefully newland will be happy with this and it will keep her from accelerating the jackpot i'm not sure if she wouldn't just do it out of vengeance regardless considering the last confrontation they had between them but that's the plan anyway and we do see flynn At the lakefront, having the memories, a flashback of the entire series we just watched. And then we hear the gunshot go off. And we never see her body hit the ground. So we all know what that means. They're leaving the door open, that she will survive even in this timeline. I think that that's not going to make any sense. So I'm pretty sure that she is actually dead here. But like I said, I am pretty certain they're leaving the door open just in case. Just in case. And then we have a bonus scene at the end here where we see that Lev is being threatened by his klept superiors, that if he doesn't basically kill everybody... Who knows about this conspiracy. They're going to come and prune his entire tree. Him, his wife, his kids, everybody will be exterminated. So that's the stakes for Lev next season. He either needs to kill everybody who knows anything about this, which includes, of course, Ozzy and Ash, or his family will face the consequences. Some other details here I skipped around. We actually saw, probably central to this plot, but I kind of skipped it anyway, that Wilf and Flynn, Flynn somehow able to solve a mystery inside of his mind, couldn't solve himself of going back to this location where he first met Alita. There we see the young version of Alita, this peripheral she's piloting. And she basically explains to Wilf after sending Flynn off because Ash can surveil them through her senses. This is actually when Alita tells Wilf about Newland's plan to extinguish that timeline. And that's pretty much What happens in this episode i think that's essentially what we're going to need for setup for next season okay so what do i think about this as a season finale i was completely disappointed with this i feel like here's a show that had no payoff for its season one if you've been listening to my commentary from week to week here i've been suggesting oh there's all these interesting ways the show could go and i felt like the plot wasn't moving forward quickly enough and it appears that the reason that that is my impression of things is because this was all the setup for season two. So all the things I speculated would be happening over the course of this season are actually going to happen in the next season. And I did not know this until this very day, by the way, when I was reading up on this show, that in an interview, one of the creators of the show, Vincent Natalie, had mentioned that there was a three-year plan for this show. And I am finding a trend now that I find very discouraging Another example of this is with this Lord of the Rings show that we just saw also on Amazon Prime that I feel like we have a season where nothing actually happens because it's all set up because all of this has been sketched out as a two-year, three-year, five-year story arc. As encouraging as that is to see these investors investing in a two-, three-, four-year arc in a show and the creative control that that gives the folks who make these shows It maybe allows these creatives to make unsatisfying series. They don't have to wait to get good ratings to get a renewal for season two. They've already got that green light. And what you end up having is you have a story that honestly is maybe a one-season story that gets stretched out for three seasons rather than making it satisfying in one iteration. And what we end up with is just a lot of setup. So what is this to say that the bloat that we saw in this most recent generation of shows thanks to netflix basically taking every movie idea and turning it into a five or six or eight hour series that bloat is now spreading beyond one season so it's basically we're going to take this story this peripheral novel for example relatively concise novel from william gibson and we're going to stretch that story out for three seasons which means that season one is just setting up it's basically the first act of the book Season two is all the things I was hoping for. Hey, let's have a heist, a time heist. And let's set exactly what the stakes are. And let's now go and manipulate that past. So now we know what the stakes are. We know what the events are supposed to play out as. And we're now going to manipulate those events. And oh, doesn't that sound fun? That's coming in season two of the series. And honestly, this is probably why I will not watch another season of this. I feel like most of that probably won't come until season three, actually. And season two is going to be all middle connor is going to be dealing with the supposed death of flynn in this one timeline we have another version of connor in another timeline that has all his limbs and is working collaboratively with flynn in that timeline bob is still alive and is trying to kill them Uh, Meanwhile, we're obviously going to come back to this particular timeline. Why else invest in these folks? For example, I could easily say they're going to abandon this timeline in the next season, but that's not going to happen because why did we spend all this time setting up the stakes for this version of Tommy? And then of course, Burton, this version of Burton, although there'll probably be an alternate version of Burton in another timeline, but this version of Burton will be telecommuting into 2099 to hang out with the only version of Flynn that's still available and now Flynn is going to have to decide well which version of Burton am I going to save which version of my mom am I going to save whatever so those are all interesting stakes I just don't have the confidence in these storytellers that that's going to be satisfying based on what I saw in this particular season I also feel that given the fact that the way this is all laid out it is MacGuffins and plot twists and game mechanics over character development and stake definition. And I'm willing to deal with all the mumbo jumbo if you give me an emotional connection to pull me through, but you can't just give me just mumbo jumbo. You can't just give me another modification to an illogical mechanic, time travel mechanic here and keep me invested in this. I unfortunately can't connect to anything that's happening in this show And lastly, I want to talk about those actual time mechanics. They don't make sense. These time mechanics don't make any sense. You would assume that what you're talking about is this multiverse, meaning that everybody makes any tiny little granular decision is creating alternate versions of the future. So there's not just only one branch of this timeline. There are hundreds, there are thousands, there are millions of variations. Now, the idea that you're generating a stub, that you could somehow branch time into an alternate stub and now... Imagine what that means. They're not thinking about the consequences of that. If you are manually manufacturing an alternate history, that now means that there is an alternate Alita, there is an alternate Newland or someone even more nefarious potentially in the future. The jackpot may occur or may not occur. You have a completely alternate version of the universe in that manufactured timeline. Imagine those technologists can jump between timelines. You could be, we're going to go back to the Kang uh, metaphor within the MCU, you can have a timeline civil war that exterminates all of creation (laughs) inadvertently so the fact that this is being manufactured makes no sense at all so you could say well that's not what's happening victor what's actually happening is that there are all these different branches you're just able to connect to one of them they're already there there's thousands there's millions of them you're actually picking one and saying i'm going to jump into that one now here's the trick with that if we assume that flynn is branching off from this timeline into that one her consciousness is, is in there. So, so I guess that body that she will have in the future will also still have this bacterial infection. In it. so the knowledge is still there. And of course, she's on the clock that before the jackpot happens, which is still about a decade away. So she does have time. to. So I'll take that back. Some of that could, the mechanics of that could actually work. And I assume now that I've talked myself through it, maybe that is the logic of what we're seeing here. Regardless, I feel uninvested. I'd have to hear really, really good things about it to come back for season two. They haven't even started shooting season two. I'm not sure if they've gotten a green light, which means that this show probably won't back, be back until 2024. And by then, there'll be many, many other shows to discuss. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe they'll come out in some dead part of the calendar, and maybe I'll hear good reviews, and I will come back. And I'll eat my words, and I'll come back to this. But uh, And maybe there's a very strong middle to this story, and they've just been, like I said, this could have been inadvertently just bloat to this story, taking what should have been maybe a one- two-season story arc max and trying to expand it way too much what i would have preferred to see was a wrap-up of this story and then look you got time travel you could imagine newland going further back in time which she can still do she can go further back in time and kill flynn 10 years earlier and now all of her branches are dead right it is possible lev has done this to his own family members in other timelines there's no reason they can't do this and that opens a whole other can of worms which this show i think honestly doesn't want us to think about if you think about it too much the logic of the show collapses and like i mentioned they could have created some guardrails where there's limited interactions with the past there's all these risks associated to it or it's very heavily policed because of those risks and you could have had one satisfying season a heist like i said in the end Flynn is victorious and then have an easter egg at the end just a hint that newland is still out there in an alternate future or that newland by the way was maybe piloting her body from even further in the future. And she can go even further into the past and mess with everybody as well. What we thought the rules of time travel were are different. This was just a variation that she was experimenting with. And now the real story begins next season, for example, right? Everybody now knowing the stakes, the chess, the chessboard reset and now a new game beginning, but with higher, much higher stakes. That's one way to go about this, but instead they're just very, they're delivering what is very little plot over a very long period of time. And now we get to the end of the season. It turns out we were just getting set up for next season. So it's a frustration for me. They're not the only ones who've done this. I understand possibly why these decisions are made. You know, Amazon needs more content. These creatives want to have commitment to three years of a show. But me as a viewer, you got to make a good season one of a show for me to want to come back for season two. And that's where I landed on all of this. All right. So with that out of the way, stay tuned. I'm going to get into this conversation that I pre-recorded with Nick and Ray. And as I mentioned, we talk about everything. We talk about Avatar. We talk about Andor. Primarily, we talk about Andor, by the way, the excellent season one of Andor. There you go, telling a very satisfying season of a show. Even though you get a commitment for two seasons, you get not only one satisfying conclusion to season one, You get all these mini arcs. You get all these different characters, have their own little journeys to go on. Some of those arcs are only three as long. Everybody out there needs to watch Andor, and this is how you make a really satisfying season of television. And that is mostly what we talk about, but we also talk about Gardens of the Galaxy. We also bash some of the earlier Star Wars films. And as I mentioned at the opening, we don't spoil too much. We don't go into heavy spoilers with anything other than the assumption that you guys have all seen, the canonical core Star Wars movies. So I do hope you enjoy this conversation. It was entertaining for me to record it, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And as I mentioned, stay tuned. We'll be covering more shows throughout December, have an end-of-year wrap-up, and then, of course, in January, The Last of Us, and our ongoing coverage of The White Lotus and Fleischman is in Trouble with my co-host, Sona, throughout this month as well. All right, enjoy that, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: I just saw on the calendar that right now on Earth, it's almost Christmas time.
0: We don't have time for trivialities like Christmas.
1: But Peter's so sad about Gamora being gone.
0: Maybe if we go to Earth for a really wonderful Christmas gift, it would make him happy.
2: Something special he will never forget.
1: What about someone special? We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. I just said that, Drax. But your voice is small and mousy. I think maybe he didn't hear you. Ah! You're coming with us as a Christmas present. <laughs>
0: For the listeners out there, Ray is drinking some blue milk, so we can discuss Andor today. <laughs> With that cereal, what's that cereal that he's uh, what's his name is drinking eating there at his mom's oh, house.
1: Co- Cosmic Puffs or whatever the hell. Whatever it is, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I like the mom.
1: Yeah, she's great. Uh, she's a trip.
2: <laughs> she's awesome. <laughs> uh, she's like the just horrible, like just <laughs> just like no positive reinforcement whatsoever for the nightmare nightmare of a mom.
0: <laughs>
1: It's such a uh, nicely decorated apartment, too, huh? Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> Nick has not seen all of Andor, so we'll uh we'll cover like the first half of the season, and when we think we're getting the kind of spoiler territory, Nick can drop off. But since Nick has seen the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, uh, which of course is an homage to the old Star Wars Christmas special, hmm. uh, and you have not seen this yet, right, Ray?
1: Right, but you can spoilers are fine. I you know, it's okay. I mean there is
0: nothing to spoil it. Right. It's just a fun show, I I guarantee it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I said this already in my review of this earlier in the week. You know, this might be a minor spoiler for you, Ray, but it's pretty funny. Peter Quill is feeling a longing for Christmas tradition. And he's a big fan, you know, he's a child of the eighties, as many of us are. And he has apparently told The Guardians of the Galaxy many, many stories about Kevin Bacon, the great Kevin Bacon. So (laughs) mantis and tracks tracks yeah head out to earth and they kidnap kevin bacon and bring him out to space with them (laughs) as a christmas Ah. present to peter (laughs) oh boy (laughs) and that's basically it that's what you (laughs) get. and it's only 45 minutes long so it's not you know the most amazing thing to me about this whole thing is they got the cast together they uh even got um peter gunn right peter gunn yes Yeah. yeah He got, they even got Peter Gunn to write and direct. And Peter Gunn, by the way, this is another little piece of information we should talk about. You know, he's already been working with DC. He made that mm-hmm. second, he made the second Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> and then he made the uh, spin-off spinoff uh, series with John Cena as well, which was really entertaining, by the way. If you guys haven't seen that, I recommend it. But now they've handed him all of DC. He is now the new Kevin Feige of DC Comics. So that's a pretty, um, pretty big uh, step up for him.
2: Oh, it's Kevin what? Feige. I, I've been pronouncing it wrong. Feige for like the last, you know, how many? That's,
0: that's the way I've had yeah. it pronounced. I, I don't know the man, so I can't say one way or the other.
2: <laughs> well, he should pronounce it Feige as far as I'm concerned. No,
0: will do just uh, We're, we're going to mandate oh, isn't it. Oh, isn't
1: yeah. it just an acronym now anyway? <laughs> that's yeah, right. Is. That's right. Yeah. Oh, maybe in we need MCU to spend some time on acronym. that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, in the
2: MCU, it's an acronym. Oh, man. According to that's She-Hulk.
0: The least spoken about that, the better, I think.
2: Yeah, what was I? I mean, I wasn't on for that uh, podcast, but wow, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but yeah. that one, that one went off
1: the rails, man. I don't I, think it, we even completed it. It was so bad. I don't think we ever actually had one, right? Oh, you
0: didn't make it to the end. Oh, we didn't do an episode on it. No, we didn't. No, we didn't do an episode. I, on I it. didn't oh, even. Bother, yeah. yeah, and I and actually, I would have had the conversation with you guys. And maybe I'll introduce it here briefly. I was going to come in with a hot take, saying that honestly, those episodes of the show were probably mostly like fives on a scale of one to 10. And uh, a couple of them were better. Like I liked the Daredevil episode was really good. Actually, I thought a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. And I was like, and so what? Like, you know, why not make an Alec McBeal set in the MCU? If the MCU is going to make all of these different shows, they don't all have to be canonical Avengers. You know, they can be whatever they want to be. And I was kind of saying like, good for them. Do this. Like this should be like a model they follow. And I'm like, and the funniest thing about that whole show was that they had like preemptively heard all of the complaints everybody's going to make about her and they like intentionally baked it into the show. So like, you know, the, yeah. these trolls were, you know, they they anticipated all this. So I'm like pretty genius stuff. So I was going to come in with like a pretty positive take on the whole show. And then I saw the finale and I'm like, all right, man, like when you are like crawling out of the, you know, the Disney plus, uh, (laughs) you know, a menu and stuff like that. I'm like, so you're basically just saying the whole thing is made up. Like, it's just like, that makes this whole thing kind of uh, pointless at that point. Right. It's like, it's it's too far. Like, honestly, I would have been positive on the show if they'd had a really strong ending. And I just, it just totally turned me off. Yeah. I'm, I'm
2: with you on that.
1: It just felt like the whole season was a waste of your time and they were telling you it was right. You know? Exactly. Yeah, that's
0: exactly, that's exactly. Yeah. They were trolling you. Yeah, exactly. They were trolling you for yeah. staying with it the whole a- season. Exactly. <laughs> that. That's a perfect way to put it. That when they were basically preemptively anticipating all the trolling that they were going to get, and then they were like responding to it. I was like, that's pretty smart. Like, look, they're like "It's very meta. That was one bridge too far. Like you said, where in the end it's just like, Hey, you know who we're trolling, we're trolling you. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, whole yeah. thing is like uh, just uh, yeah. you know uh we're we, you know like the, the feige is a, a acronym and all that stuff and I'm just like oh man like I was so turned off by the end of that I'm like oh. and then they introduce Hulk's son too like just kind of randomly there I'm just yeah. like what are they R. doing here what a yeah. mess what a mess yeah yeah look
1: I mean the character herself was likable enough yeah. and mm-hmm. it was a fun show and I was enjoying the ride. And then the, the car just crashed and burned on the, that last episode. Was so just... bad. And
0: when you think about how they set up the whole, um, you know, alien invasion, you know, at the beginning that leads to the accident and all that stuff, they could have had a pretty satisfying ending that kind of left things open for other <laughs> things in the MCU they did like nothing they're just like they literally make jokes about like we don't have budget for all the special effects so we're just going to cut to the <laughs> end now and just like okay well why did i bother with this whole show is it's <laughs> yeah, so irritating. really irritating really yeah it, it, it was. was it was
2: it was definitely bizarre i mean it, you know I, I get the meta aspect of it and it was funny you know and uh like i think i think victor we had talked offline about it the fact that it was almost, it almost felt like an episode of like community in the later seasons, like, right, you know, the right. Dan Harmon yep. feel to it. Yeah. And even like a Rick and Morty where Rick they're, Morty, ripping, yeah, you know, like where they're, where they're ripping on their own show in the show itself. But the, the, the last episode really took it, it, it took it a little too far.
0: That's where it went was too like, far. I, yeah, I it was just agree. like,
2: what, like, what are you yep. doing?
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely and agree. I was enjoying the show up to that point. Yeah. I, I felt yeah. the same way. I felt the same yep. way. Yep. I honestly, if she turned up randomly in one of these movies, in the, and I'm sure she will, I'd be more than happy to see the character. But if they said we're going to do a second season of this, I am not going to watch that second season of the show. I have like no good will based on the this one season we yeah. just had back on point, hopefully to the Guardians. I mean, that's my whole review it was like it, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a it lot was of short. fun. It
2: was, I thought it was a lot of fun. A few, few funny things like that sort of moved the uh, the MCU a little bit. The Guardians now own uh, and Ray. This is a spoiler, but you know it's not a huge one. They bought nowhere um, from the collector, right. mm-hmm. and I don't know if that was in the comics also. But they're living on nowhere, and uh, I guess I thought Cosmo- he died. I thought Thanos killed him. I don't know because, you know, when he, when he, uh, you know, you never see what happens to the collector because you remember.
1: It was the reality uh, stone he used to yeah, make he was used to the right. reality.
2: Yeah. And I don't think you see what actually happened to the collector. So apparently nope. I guess he, he lived through it um, right. because they, they bought nowhere. And then the dog, the Russian dog Cosmo is now, I guess going to be a member of the guardians. That's what I read. Anyway, he's going to be in the next movie. And he was sort of, he, he was interacting in with too, Rocket. Yeah. yeah, he was interacting with Rocket well, um, in the special.
1: Well, was it, was it Noel? Where just the skull of a celestial that they were yeah. buying the brain matter yeah. from? Or
2: something? Yep. Yeah. And so now they're now they're all living there, and uh, I guess they fixed it up. And then uh, the only other things were one, of the, which I thought was pretty funny. One of the gifts they were exchanging gifts at the end of the show, and Nebula gives Rocket a gift, and it's Bucky's arm, which which was <laughs> yeah, which
1: was really funny. He's into those prosthetics. He always wants the prosthetics. Man.
2: Yeah. Oh. So somehow Nebula stole Bucky's arm and yeah. gave it to Rocket. So he'll he'll the next time we see him, I guess we'll see him with a different arm.
0: Bucky might need a new arm, yeah, by then. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to have to um them.
2: I think that was the only other, that was, oh, and then, again, spoiler, but not a huge spoiler, I think at the very end, Mantis uh, tells Peter that she was actually one of Ego's offspring. Yeah. yeah. So they're actually, in fact, brother and sister, Well, at least half brother and sister.
0: That's kind of the arc of the episode, is that she's afraid that when Peter finds out he's going to have a really negative reactions, that he, you know, is happy to have a, a sibling, sister. right? So it's like he has yeah. no other family, so that's his only family. Quite quite fun.
2: And then yeah. I like how yeah. uh, Kevin Bacon was trying to get away from Mantis and Drax like when they were, <laughs> yes. when they were trying to kidnap him. And then Mantis <laughs> yep. ultimately, uh, you know, she, she gets her hands on him and makes him compliant. Yeah, compliant. Yeah. But uh, it was actually the chase scene was actually pretty funny. <laughs>
0: yep. Maybe the funniest part of the whole thing, Ray, is that they think that he's an actual hero because I've heard all these stories. And then you know, as they're having this conversation with him on the spaceship, uh, right, where they're heading to this, uh, you know, to nowhere, they realize, oh my god, he's not an actual hero; he's an actor. And there's like nothing to them that's more disgusting than an <laughs> actor. So they're yeah. utterly repulsed. Which, of course, you know, is ironic since this is all <laughs> a bunch of actors. But they're like so disgusted by the idea of actors themselves. Oh,
1: that's great. That's funny. Yeah, and they, like, yeah, you no, know, it's, it's definitely
0: worth a watch. Forty-five minutes. You know, it's it's completely inconsequential. Which, by the way, uh, and maybe this is something we can talk about really briefly too. I actually thought that, you know, this Christmas special, which happens to come out at Thanksgiving, but uh, the Halloween special, too, was a lot of fun. And I was honestly like more of this people like don't try to shoehorn 15 different character introductions and story arcs. It's like just make more just of these one off uh, episodes because the, the Halloween episode is a lot of fun, too. I don't know if you guys caught that. but that I, a-
2: I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see it yet. Um, I know it's you know, it's on. I got to just watch it. But yeah. uh, were, were there any
0: um, is there any crossover? Are there any characters in that that we know or no? i mean the man thing is in that by the way which i do think that they might be uh, introducing uh, somewhere along the way okay ray you would probably know this i went down this rabbit hole when i'm like what is this thing that is in this episode and i'm like is that swamp thing because i don't you know not not cartoon literate enough and right. then i actually looked it up and i said is that swamp and I literally just googled it is that swamp thing in uh, uh werewolf by night you know, I auto completed. I like typed in, like, is that swamp? And that's what the Google auto completed. So a lot right. of people must have been asking this question. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about it is that no, it's not the swamp thing, it's man thing. Man thing. Yeah. And what's so weird about that is that it turns out that swamp thing and man thing were written by two different guys who were roommates at the time and they never sued, you know, like there was never a lawsuit. Marvel could have easily sued DC because I think they were first to market. So it's kind of funny. I guess they really never cared because apparently once again, this is from my Wikipedia research, that character never took off as opposed to Swamp Thing, which of course became a really big uh, property for
1: uh, a decent. Interesting. Well, I mean, you look at the DC and the Marvel universe. There's analogs almost every so year. much
0: stuff, yeah, overlapping. Yeah. <laughs> but just the fact yeah. that these two guys created a comic book at the same time—they literally published within months of each other—and they were living together at the time, like they were like right out oh, of college right. or something. I'm like, that is no coincidence, by the way. That I was about to say it's a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. One guy copied the other one. That's basically what it was.
1: was <laughs> like a Steve Jobs, uh Bill Gates scenario, almost right. <laughs> same thing, right? Oh, wow. Yeah,
2: I gotta check that out. I'll uh, I'll take a look at that.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It's
2: fun. Haven't sat down to watch that one yet.
0: Yeah, it's once again 45 minutes long, stylish and funny and fun and like uh, clever. Have either of you seen Black Panther yet or no? I just saw it. Yeah. Uh, What did you think? I didn't see it yet. I ended up having a positive reaction to it because I was had heard so many tepid reactions to it that I was kind of not anticipating much. And I'd say like the first hour of the movie, I was like, "Wow, this is really good." There's like a—you uh, guys probably know this already—but there's like a new species that we're introduced to here, a new, uh, you know, uh, community of people that oh, get introduced here. Warren, uh, really, yeah, name yeah, yeah. Namor, yeah, <laughs> exactly. With the death of uh, T'Challa, they—they they see this moment of weakness. Everyone's trying to get their hands on vibranium, vibranium, right? And uh, and they basically uh, try to take it by force. And there's like this kind of a UN-type meeting. And in parallel, they've—they're trying to infiltrate Wakanda. So they have this tension going on between like the outer world and Wakanda itself and end up looking for other sources of vibranium. Right. So they find it underwater. And then it's like a horror movie. Like these people are underwater investigating this thing. People, their their signals keep disappearing. It's like something out of aliens or something. And then in the darkness, these people are on the ship. And in the darkness, you see these heads floating in the water and they start singing like sirens. And the military people start hurtling themselves off of the ship, basically committing suicide from the siren song. I didn't have any spoilers or anything about this character or whatever. And I'm like, wow, this is like a horror movie or something. It was like really, really well done. And like that first hour of the movie really was just terrific. You see Namor's underwater culture. For me, the best thing about the first Black Panther movie and also here is just the design work, how well thought out, the way the technology actually works, the woman who did all their design work actually won an academy award for the black panther movie and i well deserved because i that was the thing that was most impressive to me and wakandans have these like cool uh planes that like move like insects and stuff like that so it's very Mm -hmm. cool like the technology and all this the the thought of how this stuff works and the underwater uh city as well is well thought out also Mm -hmm. so all that stuff is really cool then about halfway through the movie or maybe even earlier, maybe after about like one hour, they start shoehorning in like all the Marvel stuff, and they're introducing these characters, and you know, they're, there's there's a conspiracy that they're setting up. But this is like feels like it's a middle movie, like nothing really pays uh, off in this episode. Oh, so like, it's it's a lot of the stuff that uh, happened is happening in this Phase Four, which thank God is over. I was just like, by the end of the movie, I'm like, I don't even know who the protagonist is anymore. Like it was it, they just. Oh like, man! But but I would say, despite all that. I actually was pretty positive on, on the film, but I just felt like you, you ah. think Angela Bassett is going to be the protagonist based on the beginning of the movie. But then it's not her. Now there's a new Black Panther. And then that whole thing happens very quickly. And then we're like, like I said, they're introducing in the background this other conspiracy that's going on with um, shield and some of that stuff. there, like Julie, Louise Dreyfus's character and then they oh, go yeah, back to Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the Wakandans and uh, Namor. They're fighting each other. And then I'm thinking, like, why are they even fighting each other? Like, they shouldn't be fighting each other. right? Like, so it's like so much of this is just kind of like, I, I don't it's like it's such a mess by the end of it. But but I still ended up liking most of it. I got to tell you. So yeah, actually, I'll check uh, it.
1: was it uh, Riri Williams is the, the Ironheart character? right? Yes. And and that's
0: the other that. thing. They introduce her. They rescue her because she is in danger for a reason. I won't go into too much details here. They introduce her. She has her own armor that she builds. It's not Iron Man, but, you know, you can see that that's the direction they're going in. Yeah. And, like, she gets, like, nothing to do in the in the movie. She basically just has, like, a cool fight sequence at the end. You know they're just sticking her in there to introduce her, and it's just like, just tell one story, people. Just tell one story. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. So, I feel like this with every film, practically, in this uh, section of the MCU has been just more of the same. All right, let's jump over to Andor, which uh, just wrapped up last week. And uh, it's funny. I think we have had many conversations almost all of them <laughs> we'll go back to star wars at some point in our previous <laughs> conversations and uh i was complaining that you know like why i i was even complaining about even the mandalorian like why can't the mandalorian just be a story about these people living in this place and the way the empire functions and like think about you know there's millions of stories you could tell basically and uh that's exactly what Andor ended up being is how do you manage the rebellion when everybody has their own agendas how do you manage the empire when you know the empire is basically falling apart and is incapable of doing anything than you know just being a threat to keep people in line it's kind of like a metaphor for the way fascism works so it's like interesting that it, that, that is what they're playing with but they're taking it seriously and i and i was you know knocked out by this by this show
1: yeah yeah i i mean i uh seriously think it's probably one of the best things Disney has produced in Star Wars, you know, with oh, yeah? Rogue One being right up there, too, and yeah. obviously a connection, too, between the two. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, you actually felt the oppression of the yeah. Empire that yeah. these civilians had. Yeah. And it really justified the rebellion. Right. Because, you know, up until now, we never really saw just the bad guys right? in, in action. You know, <laughs> it was just the government, really. And, right. you know, there was always that argument that Luke was a radicalized uh, right. terrorist. You <laughs> exactly. Know, that right. Destroyed the space station of the government. <laughs> right. you know? right. I mean, and there was good argument for it because you didn't yeah. really, I mean, look, you know, they fry uh, Uncle, Beru, Aunt, Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru, but <laughs> honestly, you just didn't see a lot of atrocities that the Empire right. committed. It yeah. Just And that was what was great, giving you the insight. Well, they, they of did blow on, though.
2: Yeah. No, they they well, did
1: blow up an entire planet. <laughs> they did, but that's yeah. not quite as as uh humanistic as as just yeah. basically walking on the beach and yeah. putting you yeah. in your guy, you know, your jail. I mean
2: <laughs> Yeah, that was that was crazy. So you know, as Victor said, I, I've only gotten through the first eight episodes. So for me, Cassie and Andor's still in prison right now, right, right. but But one thing that exactly (laughs) one thing that actually uh, stuck out has been sticking out for me, or or that that which is interesting is that I feel like this incarnation of the empire, or you know, it's the same empire, obviously. um, But the way that they've portrayed, I should say, the way they've portrayed the empire—not not not this incarnation, but the way they've portrayed them—they're way the people in the empire are are way more competent than. Than the folks we saw in the original trilogy, right. you know, they were like right. buffoons, you, you right. know, in in the in, in in the trilogy, you know, where you know the the Ewoks were able to get the better of them, and in, in Return of the Jedi, <laughs> right. and you know, they're running into trees on the you know on the on the speeders and stuff. These this is like a way more you know complex and and competent group of right individuals but I only mean, some
0: yeah. but only some of them i mean you think about it like you know uh there there are i mean that's what's fascinating about the way they're portraying this bureaucracy most of the higher-ups are saying like bury this like you know you're i mean think about it uh the, the what's his name the the guy who uh is living with his mom right now
1: oh cyril or whatever i think cyril, yeah. Cyril. cyril? yeah cyril anyway he, yeah.
0: he he loses his job because he's right and everybody else is just like we don't want to hear it and and that's kind of like shows you where the empire is going to is going to be the downfall of the empire right because they're going to be like these guys are just a bunch of paper pushers and they just want to you know they don't want to get involved with any of this stuff so if all of a sudden the and and that's how bureaucracies work in the real world too right it's like if all of a sudden everybody takes up arms against them they're going to drop their their guns and be like hey i'll fight with you guys (laughs) i'm not going to die for this i just want to catch i'm just catching a check
1: Mm -hmm. yep no definitely uh Again, it's uh, it, it's the series that I didn't ask for, but now I, <laughs> right. I don't know how I would live without it. <laughs> it's really yeah, it's
2: been it's been really enjoyable. I thought, uh, you know, I only started it um, over the past. Uh, not not this weekend, but like in the middle of last week, and I've been doing one or two episodes a night. Yeah. um but it's kind of one of those things that like i knew we were talking about it today but i just i didn't have time to finish it but i also didn't want to rush through it because right. i'm no. enjoying it that much oh, yeah. you it's know like a good
1: yeah. book don't yeah. rush through
2: exactly. it right.
1: <laughs> exactly for each episode man yeah
2: i mean it, every episode has just been excellent so far
0: and i, and I might so, rewatch uh, it someone was just saying uh to me that they got more out of it the second time through because then you kind of know where everybody's stories are going so you kind of realize when you're watching it at the beginning like oh i see they're setting stuff up like from the very beginning that's going to pay off later on you know mm-hmm. and, but I mean, but you don't really feel that when you're watching it because it's kind of just a natural progression of the story but it, it's I, I i think it definitely would be something worth re-watching
1: yeah i mean that yeah. would be one critical thing i'd have to say mm-hmm. is that when they are speaking a lot of times yeah. there is a lot of mumbling and yeah. the sound is pretty low And then the sound effects and score come on and it's like six decibels higher. So I was constantly volume up, volume down it. And then it's one of those where if you put the captions on, it really helps. Oh, yeah. Yeah tell the story yeah i actually have to do that a couple actually,
2: times
0: too yeah. i have yeah. i've gotten in the habit of just keeping the captions on all the time <laughs> How I, you I, watching, just, I was just watching a, i was watching yeah. house of the dragon which i just wrapped up recently and i had the titles the, the just to get people's names straight i had the captions on all the time, that, that all the time. yes yeah,
2: yeah I, I still haven't i still haven't gotten through that yet i i i hit a i hit a Brick wall. Once they did the time jump, he jumped, right? Yeah, yeah. Once they got to that time jump episode, I'm I'm like halfway through that episode and I just stopped watching it. I, I know I'm gonna, I've got to watch it, I've got to finish it because I did hear great things about it. But I, I, once we got to that episode, I just couldn't get into the the older version of these characters. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's, it's a readjustment. Although I'll tell you that the finale is really strong, so you got to kind of push through. But I agree, I it kind of threw me for a loop. I, I kind of disconnected a little bit when they did that time jump. Also. I, a, couple, a quick thing to mention to before uh, you jump off, um, Nick, is that uh, this is something I had kind of suspected even when we had talked about maybe covering Andor, even early on it, because the, the streaming ratings are delayed by like a month. So I was saying that, you know, I'm loving this show, but I hope people are actually watching this. And the numbers have come in and the numbers are not good. No. I mean, they're, they're good. You know, they're it's always in the top 10, uh, you right. know, ratings wise, when you look at the the streamings. Uh, you know numbers but for as an example that the um uh first of all it's half the ratings less than half the ratings that the obi-wan kenobi show was getting but because it was on at the same time that she hulk was on she hulk mm-hmm. was getting better numbers week to week than andor was and she hulk's episodes were like half as long so it's like half as many people are watching this than the she hulk show like this is terrible right because this show is you know obviously leads better than uh, and and yeah, that's I a Marvel, mean, and that's a Marvel property. But I mean, yeah. it's not like you can't get people to watch a Star Wars show, and the ratings have been bad on this comparatively. Yeah. And uh, that it, was dis- it disappointing. Just, right?
2: It might have yeah. just been the subject matter, because I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, obviously a big Star Wars fan, um, and even for me, like, you know, it took me a long time to start watching this. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was not not saying that I don't like the character. I mean, I loved Rogue One, but it was just, I think I'm just like a little bit burnt out on Star Wars right yeah. now um or I was before I started watching it now I'm like super into now I'm super <laughs> right. into it again and I'm actually when I'm done with this I'm probably going to watch Rogue, Rogue One now yeah. again Absolutely. um but the thing was that for me I think after Obi-Wan I needed like a break I mean not that <laughs> yes, I didn't not, I not that I didn't like Obi-Wan I thought it was very entertaining hmm. um I I I don't know if like I'm in the minority I kind of liked Obi-Wan and uh you know I felt like it was better than obviously episode three. I think after that, I kind of was like, all right, I could, I could take a, I could take a little bit of a pause right now. So when Andor, you know, was released, I was like, eh, you know, I'll I'll get to it. But oh, then the, think, but then yeah. everybody talking about it loves it so much i'm like all right i'm going to start watching it you guys were like it's it's incredible i'm like so i started watching it and i was i was hooked after the first episode all
0: right so ray uh, i don't know if you had a, any opinion on why you think that ratings might oh, be a little
1: I, I thought i thought that unfortunately Andor suffered the same fate as solo did in the movie theaters where it was after a series of bombs whether it was you know the perception of obi-wan i agree with you nick i i did enjoy it again i I pretty much enjoy all Star Wars content to some degree, some better than others, but also following just She-Hulk, that disaster that was She-Hulk. And <laughs> you can't ignore the fact that Disney and Star Wars are interrelated. So, I mean, unfortunately, Solo kind of suffered the same fate because as we know, <laughs> it followed episode eight, which was an absolute disaster. And as a result, you know, with The Last Jedi, it just it just ruined solo. I mean, if solo was released. Yeah different time frame at a different period of time i think it would have been received totally different because you know you go back on that movie it's pretty good too you know there's a lot of good stuff there's a lot of good star wars in that
2: so. it's a good it's a good movie I, I enjoyed i enjoyed solo but i completely agree with you and it's sort of the same thing um because when it came out i was like i am not going to see this movie and i did not see solo in the theaters i waited for no. it to come out yep. um it's actually the only star wars movie that I've never gone to see in the theaters is solo. I've seen everything else in the theaters, including Rogue one. Um, and unfortunately I saw episode nine in the theaters. Which, I did not see that in the which, theater. No, the, you get the, you get the award for the, 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 the most intelligent person on the, on the podcast, I think, because, unfortunately I saw that in the theater and I saw it with a good friend of mine and we walked, we
1: walked out of the theater. Dude, I mean, I, we were like, I, what the hell was that? I watched the last Jedi twice in the movie theater. Oh my God. Cause I thought maybe I missed something and I had to watch <laughs> it again. And I was like, no, this is as bad as I thought it was.
2: <laughs> you know, what sucks is like, again, like, you know, I know this is Andor and I, and I don't want to, and, and I'm going to get off in a couple of minutes because you guys, you guys could talk about the finale, but episode seven, I, I I really liked it. I did, and uh, you know, I didn't like the fact that Han Solo was killed or whatever. But um, Episode Eight, I when Luke gets the lightsaber and he throws it, that was the same feeling I got when like I saw Jar Jar Binks for the first time in the theater in Episode <laughs> One. I was like, I was like, oh, we might be we might be in trouble here. <laughs>
0: no, it's nope. like ice going down your spine, being like, what did I just yep. get myself into?
2: Yeah. You know, the thing with Solo, I think it was the same
0: exact thing with Andor that when Andor came out, I was like, Yeah, I don't I think that Solo is as bad as some people who really hate Solo, but at the same time, I didn't really like Solo for a whole bunch of reasons. I, you know, I didn't think the actor looked anything like um, Han Solo, which was just something that bothered me. I mean, like Harrison Ford, I should say, does not look like a younger version of Harrison Ford. Like we know what a younger version of Harrison Ford looks like. It does not look like this guy, but much bigger, you know, it's just, I don't like knowing how him and Chewbacca met. That's not a great, I don't yeah. like them getting the whole explanation of what that whole Parsec thing meant, which is doesn't even make sense when you think right. about it. Right. I didn't like how he gets the Millennium Falcon. I don't like the fact that, what's his Lando. name? Uh, Cal- Lando. Lando, right, right Lando. Lando's yeah. having sex with the, the Millennium Falcon. Does that mean that the Millennium Falcon was sentient the whole time in the original series of movies? Oh, and, and the worst part about it was that, the thing I like about Solo, in the original trilogy is that he is a guy who's a pirate who decides now this is something worth fighting for right the right. idea that they're going to make a movie where he's like he is like a freedom fighter back in the day it's like what are you talking about like this is totally contradictory to the yeah. Han solo character. yeah that's a good I mean, that is a good got, point you have valid points i mean i like solo for the world
1: building aspect yeah. Yeah, you know, i the think it's story with the empire the, the yep. other worlds yep. um the different factions yep. fighting against each other yep. Um, You know, you see the different troops like in yep. minvan, those mud troopers. And I, I just a lot of the world building was pretty good, you know, but
0: I, I like I all that it. stuff. If it wasn't Han Solo, <laughs> if I, it's not Han Solo, I'm OK with everything right. else in the movie. I totally right, agree. Right. I think yeah. it's fun to watch. I totally think it's fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. I didn't need to
1: know why the Millennium Falcon has the centerpiece like removed. Oh, he I, I
0: calls himself know. solo because he shows up alone. He doesn't have a family. Like I don't yeah. need to know where his name yeah. came from. Like oh, who's, yeah. Who's, yeah, I asking, about that. who's asking these questions. Nobody wants to know the answers to these questions, people. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's actually a a, a deleted scene uh, where he was actually the Imperial TIE fighter pilot and gets demoted and it's cringeworthy. If you watch it, it's on YouTube. You can go, you can Google it. Look on YouTube. It's so bad. It's like, thank God they cut that scene out because it was horrendous. And I was just like, Jesus, you know, you don't even you see that off. You don't even see that's off screen. You know, you don't even know what happened.
0: So that movie was shot twice, too. Like God knows what the original version of that movie looked uh, like. So it might have been well, better. It was it was so Howard, way. right? Ron we
1: could, could spend an hour on yeah. who shot first and why. And <laughs> right. I'm telling you, if you have, if somebody's got a gun pointed to you and you shoot first, you're in defense anyway. I mean, and that's <laughs> it.
2: They should never Wait, mess oh, with that. that was a speaking of thing. speaking of who shot first. Obviously Han did, but in episode was one,
1: character he was a scoundrel. Yeah, of he course. Shot first. Right.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> but in episode one, <laughs> now we're going way back. Was that baby Greedo hanging out with Anakin, or was that just like a baby it's Greedo?
1: Uh, Yoda, and it's just a baby okay. Yoda. Yeah,
2: so yeah. it wasn't actually Greedo.
1: No, I don't think so. Yeah, they all look <laughs> the same to you, Nick. You're racist, man. <laughs> You're a speciesist. You need to species. You, know, you, you need to join the Empire and get rid of all these alien species, man. You know, so you know the, the Empire is totally xenophobic and steroids. That's why uh, you don't see any aliens ever in the Empire, dude, for that reason. So it's
0: actually I'm it's sure. a good point. Disney now bought Fox, right? So that's how they have Avatar. They can bring the aliens over into the Star Wars. You have you can reunite the the Empire and the Rebels together to exterminate the aliens because those aliens will kill <laughs> everything.
1: Do that. There you go. See.
0: One thing
2: I don't understand is uh, why are they doing another Avatar or two or three Avatar movies? Is it necessary?
1: No, that is. Does anybody
2: care about this? No,
1: yeah. I don't. I'm, that's I don't. I don't really know if I want to go watch it. Even I don't know. You know what?
0: I I would say I feel the same way that I don't know if we need another one of those movies, except for the fact that James Cameron, you know, when he spent a hundred million dollars making Terminator 2 and everybody was like, this is going to be the biggest flop in the world. That's a movie that no one saw in the movie theaters, the original. It came out on HBO. And that's the only reason anyone even knows what the Terminator movie is. And then it makes a shit ton of money. Yeah. You know, he did The Abyss and he made, you know, and he made The Titanic, which again, everybody's Titanic. just like this movie's going to lose money, like you will not believe. And then Avatar, people are like this movie's going to lose money. On paper, I have no interest in seeing the Avatar movie. I bet you it's going to be a massive success and it's going to make a shit ton of money. <laughs> everybody's right. going to love it when it comes out. Just like every freaking James Cameron movie. Remember he he did Aliens too.
1: Yes. It was yeah. not Ridley Scott. It was James yep. Cameron did He's Aliens. Right. So, I didn't right.
2: know that. Yeah,
1: I
0: did yeah, not know that. His, that's his too. Yeah, exactly. And aliens probably, is, aliens is better
2: than the first. Yeah, it is. It is. It's better than the first one. It's
0: you know? a completely different movie, but but I mean, but they're both great at at being what they are, right? One's basically like a slasher movie in space, and the other one's like an action movie. It's like two completely right. different movies. So. It's
1: like a sci-fi combat movie. You know? Yeah, right. exactly.
2: When they opened Pandora in Disney uh, in Animal Kingdom, I was like, "What? Why are they really like? You need a you need this." But then I was like, well, maybe they're making these movies to drum up more interest in Pandora. I mean, the the ride is really good. Uh, Flight of Passage is excellent, by the way. And it makes a lot of money.
0: Like, you have to remember that, like, you know, we are of a certain age. The two crazy things about it is that there are kids who watched that movie and to this day it's like their formative movie going experience yeah they re-released it this is a movie that's available on disney plus they re-released it on imax a few weeks ago and it made like a hundred million dollars worldwide the original movie so people yeah. obviously will go see this in a theater again and then you think about it's been 13 years since that movie or uh, there's a whole new generation of kids like teenagers that are going to go see this thing for the very first time and yeah. they'll probably fall in love with it too <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. very true
2: it would be like if they did a sequel to Dances with Wolves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: the storyline being similar. Well, you know what? <laughs> at least at least that's the Pretty thing. We'll see. Yeah. we'll see if he rips off someone else this time. But uh, this <laughs> story is not going to be at all like. It is funny though that just just seeing Black Panther, where you have these a bunch of underwater uh, action sequences with blue skinned aliens or mutants. Actually, they're mutants. They said the word mutants in a Marvel movie, by the way. In that, there you go. In that oh boy, here we go. I Think I would be critical about the Wakanda. movie with is that there are literally back-to-back scenes where the special effects underwater are incredible and the very next scene that it's matched to they look terrible and then they go back to like incredible and like they must have had like two different special effects houses or they didn't have time to finish because like literally you're like well that looks amazing that looks terrible that looks amazing that looks terrible like it so it's like yeah (laughs) kind of a mess under there i bet you that you know after 13 years (laughs) all those underwater sequences are going to look absolutely incredible in the avatar movie so
1: Well, I thought it was interesting, too, that Disney released Andor on multiple platforms now.
0: Yes, that's a very interesting point. Yeah, they're trying to... Wait, what did
1: they
2: release? Where
1: else did
0: they Uh, release it? Hulu. I think
1: they gave it to Hulu to...
0: They put put it on (laughs) Disney. They they aired it on ABC. They put it on every one of their properties. You're kidding me. For Thanksgiving, yeah. I didn't know that. They're definitely trying to push it, which is good, because I really do hope that it picks up an audience for all the reasons we, we said earlier
2: i was going to ask are they going to do a second season but i don't know where this ends up and how close to rogue one it is
0: the plan for this series series always was two seasons they're currently working on a second season so it's, yeah they okay. started
1: filming this week yeah so. exactly oh that's awesome excellent yeah. so they're
0: definitely not going to pull the plug on it which is great you know they oh. they want to maintain that relationship with uh daniel they, Roy. um
1: yeah. they filmed some of it this season i think too and um it's apparently it's a time jump of about one year in yeah. relationship okay. so So this is about five years before Battle of Yavin, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think the next years would be four, but then they must have a diff that time jump in season two, then where it goes right up to the end. So you know,
2: interesting. All right, listen, I got, I got, I got to jump, guys. But uh, I will uh, talk to you uh, when I uh, finish, probably in the next uh, two or three days.
0: Yep. Great. All right, take care.
2: All right, take care.
0: See you next. Yeah, but you already know this, uh, Ray, from what you have talking about, but basically the plan was always that the first season of Andor would cover about one year of his life. And like you mentioned, the next one will pick up from here, and it's about four years, and will lead right up into the Rogue One storyline.
1: Yep, 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 so good. So always difficult talking about spoilers when yeah. you already know the characters
0: <laughs> there's not much to spoil fun. that's what's funny about nick being afraid about spoilers i'm like especially with this show it's like what could you spoil <laughs> I, I mean if you've that, gotten if you've gotten this far i should say what can you spoil
1: like I, I just think people are naive though because you pick up all these characters that he interacts with yes. and you don't know their fate at all yep. so i mean he's really the glue that keeps the whole story together but yep. keeps you very it's very gripping there's still a lot of suspense if you're going to be shallow and just say, Oh, I know this guy survives, I don't want to watch this. I mean, it, that's what's the point of a prequel then? I mean, you know that already. Every prequel. Right?
0: I, I don't buy that as an argument for why people aren't watching the show because, hey, you know, we know what happens to Obi Wan, we know what happens to Luke Skywalker. People tune in to watch that stuff. They go crazy when Luke Skywalker turns up in The Mandalorian, right? So it's definitely right. not that. I
1: think it's just the sheer volume of the series. I, I mean, the only way that I was able to watch it and catch up. I had to go out of the cross tournament with my son. So I downloaded the episodes. So the entire plane ride down to Florida, I got three episodes. And on the whole way up, I got three episodes. And I already had seen one and two and three. So then I was all caught up, basically. So that's how I caught up. They're daunting episodes. I mean, they're good 50-minute episodes, you know. So um, you need some time. And I think what Nick said is that initial motivation just to watch it. Yeah. And once you do watch it, you get sucked in. I mean, they do suck you in. And and you're you really care about these characters, the new ones that have been created, the old ones that you know about. I mean, you know that Mon Mothma is gonna survive, but yeah. you know, you kind of want to know what went on here, you know. So it's uh I think they've done an excellent job with it. And this idea that there's not enough Star Wars in it is nonsense. If if right. you're a real Star Wars fan, you know, it's just something as simple as when that guy Cyril is in this uh the fuel quantity, uh, the little octagon things. And there's a simple mouse droid there. I mean, that's, that's, that's Star Wars. You know, that's, that's a Star Wars thing. You know, you don't need a lightsaber. You don't need a Jedi for Star Wars. You have all these other little things that come unless you
0: have two lightsabers on your spaceship. And then that's awesome.
1: (laughs) That's awesome too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, it's funny you bring that up. There hasn't been one force sensitive character, right? Yep. And then of course they could always use Luthan as the example, as actually a, either a fallen Jedi or a Jedi mm-hmm. that might have been hiding after the purge, and if they do that, I think it'll actually weaken or lessen the show. You yeah, know, I agree. I'd rather see him as a regular guy who's overcome these things, similar to Han Solo. Maybe has some Force sensitivity, but certainly not a Jedi or anything like right. that. Any formal training, you know, because that's what they always say about Han Solo is it's not luck. He he is Force sensitive. He just never right. was trained as a Jedi or anything. So it's just a so, A raw use of the force i guess or something
0: and like you said i think it lessens it because i think the point of this show is about like for example andor being someone who you see his history had nothing so he's doing this i'll fight for whoever wants to give me cash but he has his morality and then little by little you know it's like it's that great sequence at the end of the the prison uh, where he's like saying, like, I'd rather die fighting than to, you know, live this life that, you know, for mm-hmm. for to, to these people who are oppressing me, right? And yep. like, that's the moment where he starts to like awaken to this uh, calling, which of course is a, it's so tragic when you think about how he's going to like give his life for this, literally, right? Yeah, but all that stuff is just great, and that's what the show's about. It's not about like I believe people have force powers and there's, uh, you know, like it's about like <laughs> I don't want to live this way anymore, right? Or they yep. killed my mother and I want to get revenge, right? Like it's yep. it's very basic and very human and.
1: Yeah. And it really is a deep grassroots look at how oppressive the empire was and how fascist they really were. Again, I'm really curious to see how all these factions really start to get organized and together. I mean, you get a you get a little preview of it in Rogue One when, you know, Saw Gerrera is always always thought of as two extremists and he's not part of the actual rebel alliance. But the Star Wars Rebels series is basically happening at the same time frame that this is going on, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you could potentially see other characters that come in. You Cross could over. see Ahsoka. Yeah. You, yeah. you could see, uh, I mean, there's rumors getting that her own show. possibly Krennic may come in, Director Krennic in the second season. But you did see other characters. Like, I don't know if there is a in the Clone Wars, uh, Admiral Yuralin. he was uh, one of the upper echelon Empire, you know, just like Tarkin was in Clone Wars as well he's in this he's that senior isb officer who's also in a new hope with the mustache the gray guy you know there are cameos of characters they're right. just not the ones that everyone the the general public is aware of who right. They are. right so it's like plenty of star wars easter eggs i mean you yep. just look at uh at luthen's uh his collections of antiquities and you see all those things yep. in his shop and yep. but you have to be a real star wars fan to know what they are right. you know? right. so it's right. uh, whether it's You know the holocrons or the, you know the the Jedi uh, temple guard face mask, the the armor that Star Killer wears and Force Unleashed. I mean there are all these like weird little things he's got in his in his shop, and he's also got like human. I mean there's some Earthbound artifacts in there too, right? Doesn't he have a Aztec sun calendar and he also has a bivalve fossil that I actually have in my basement? So it's like everything stayed very true to Star Wars. I, I tell you they did not deviate. From the source material at all if anything to just built it
0: yeah i thought it was terrific and i just I go back to something something uh, like when you see andy circus's character like kino Loy, when he gets to the lip of that and he can't swim right oh and God. you just think about how heartbreaking that is and the reason oh. i bring that up is that i do not honestly care about any character in the new star wars movie trilogy like I, I could care less about like when i got to the end of that third movie i'm just like i don't care if they all died at the end i'm just <laughs> i just want this thing to be over i was just watching it to see how it turns out Yep. and you think about here's a tv show where these people aren't even people you spent years hanging out with you mm-hmm. spend like two or three episodes with them and you're like heartbroken when they have to make these decisions right oh and once again i hope that people or that the star wars creative pe- team learns from this you do not need to have all this force crap in a 200 million dollar movie give us characters we care about yeah. and think about that kid who wrote uh you know it's going to be very important now because for oh,
1: the mess of best, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah who ends up
0: dying in uh you know uh when they escape from the door through the eye mm-hmm. how tragic that whole thing is and that's just somebody else who like is a little part a little cog in this giant machine mm-hmm. that you know he wrote that manifesto that's gonna like inspire all these people and he just dies you know uh, during this escape
1: Yep. And the fact that he got on the getaway vehicle and was out and then gets crushed. Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, yeah. God. So tragic, that whole thing.
1: Yeah. I just think with Keno, is like, did he know that they were surrounded by water? I mean, he must have I known. I have to
0: assume, right? They know when they arrive, right?
1: Right. So he must have known he wouldn't have been able to escape anyway. So yeah. that's even makes it even more admirable on his cause that he rallied those prisoners knowing that he himself was not going to be able to escape either way. They I mean, think of it that way, even. He knows he can't swim and he <laughs>
0: a lot of those probably people probably died he though. He
1: wasn't surrounded by water, right? So <laughs>
0: even the people who could swim, that's quite a swim though, they have ahead of them. So
1: right. So I have a question for you, which yeah. I can't figure out an answer to. Sure. Right. So in the episode the eye, where yeah. they meet with the uh the plant, the colonel, they're inside Guy. Yeah. So he shows up at the end of the heist, right? Yeah. He tries to trick some of the guards into thinking it's some kind of covert operation leave them be you know he's just come on, back me up and then, of course he dies of a heart attack or whatever right, right right. but um what happened to him
0: i I don't know i don't know you don't
1: that's... see what happened to him yeah don't see it it's yeah he doesn't get killed he yep. doesn't leave with them but you don't know what happened you don't know his fate at all
0: yeah so, and, and i think that's what kind of is interesting about the show too as i'm watching the show i keep changing what i think is it's going to be about like you see those first three episodes and I'm like, okay, well, this is how he be, like joins this rebellion, basically. Then you have that that second arc of, of, of episodes, and I'm like, oh, these are the new. This is the new cast. Like we're basically being introduced to the cast of the rest of this show, and it's like, nope, most of them nope. die, and like you said, and the ones who don't die, they uh, they just disappear from the story completely, right. and then uh, you know, and then he's he's somewhere else now, later in the show, and maybe it's possible we see him in prison later on, and he becomes important to the story again. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if they just basically are saying like, no, he ran this one mission. This is a guy who's they intersected at that piece that time. Mm -hmm. And then he escapes on the ship. And it's like, you know, if you're underground for the next two or three years, you probably would never find out what happened to that guy. (laughs) No,
1: no, 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 that's good. It was very complex. Uh, Again, it it is definitely a Star Wars thinking man show. If you you're not going to just see a popcorn blasts and laser swords and. You die. I mean, it, you you got to get into it. And if anything, anyone who read the expanded universe books, yeah. I guarantee, loves Andor yeah. because that certainly was fleshed out more than any other uh, adaptation that Disney has done. You know, and I think it's a shame that they just threw away all that expanded universe and yeah. call it Legends because there's tremendous stories there and great storytelling. But that Andor series totally reminded me of reading an expanded universe novel. I mean, it really did. You know, right down to, to Dedra and the ISB agents. It just because the Empire, as Nick had alluded to earlier, the Empire is ruthless in these novels. Yeah. yeah. They, they really show the the dark side of the Empire. They really show the teeth of the Empire in these in these novels, which this again, the movies have not really shown. I mean, right. you know, they right. show this huge uh oppressive vehicle space force, but not the human side of things. So, you know, yeah. but yeah, was great. I, I really look forward to the next season. I'm probably going to rewatch, I will, yeah. you know, go it's through a, it all yeah. again for sure. And uh, I will watch uh, Rogue One again as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I the one thing I thought they cheapened a little was with Val having a relationship with uh, Mon Mothma. Like, I, I did, I started to get a little like, oh god, here we go, everyone's <laughs> related to everyone in Star Wars. Here yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> there's this huge galaxy and one of the mercenaries slash rebel fight freedom fighters is actually Mon Moth's, uh niece or, or what was it? Her cousin or something. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so come on now, you know, <laughs> right. I, that's a weird part too, is when they're trying to piece together his relationship, maybe to the whole heist on the eye. I mean, they didn't have one camera that captured these people. I like, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> The technology didn't capture some of these people on video at all. I mean, come on. Give me a
0: break. Well, that's, a, that's a, you know, if we, we want to go down that rabbit hole, that's kind of surprising in all of the Star Wars films that there is no kind of video technology, right? No. Like, you don't see it in, uh, like, the Empire, I mean, in Star Wars, right? When they, like, you know, right. escape with uh, Princess Leia, it's not like anyone's, like, looking at the, the, the replay <laughs> to see, no. like, who, who 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 are those people who, who busted in here?
1: There's no, like, facial recognition software, none of that stuff. One of the things that's great what they've done with Star Wars Which they, for instance, I I hate using Star Wars and Star Trek as as an analogy to each other. But in Star Trek, they always change the technology. So when they retrofit the shows, the shows that are supposed to be older look more modern, right? right? Because obviously technology's changed, right? Now, you look at this, they've introduced like, say, iPads and tablets a little bit, you know. But at the same time, the basic Star Wars hardware is still there. It's exactly right. the same. It's right. exactly the same like New Hope. They haven't, you know, had this huge technological advancement that we've had and throw it backwards. So it really connects. That's what's great about it. You know, the Star Wars universe is very interesting in that the technology isn't as advanced as you think it is. You you have multiple civilizations across the entire galaxy where there was no prime directive. So things just got disseminated. Some cultures are primitive. Some are not. Right. Yet they still have a blaster in their hand. Right. Right it's more mechanical
0: and it yep. still is. Well, that's something that Lucas actually said. And I don't know if this is just him covering his own butt, but he had mentioned that in the prequels, the technology in some ways is more advanced than it is in the original series. Mm-hmm. And what he had actually said was that you're seeing the lead up to the fall of the empire. So basically his original metaphor was to Nazi Germany, you know, the, that the rise of like all the beautiful buildings and all of that and the technological advancement that happened there. And then what you're seeing when they're at fight with the with the re- rebellion is like the downfall, right? So the technology is getting older. Like you mentioned, people are literally like using machines for a scrap metal. The empire is having to now manage this giant you know, landmass there, they basically have to have stormtroopers on every single planet to maintain. So no, nobody's like innovating anymore. Everybody it's just brute force. Right. So, yep. and, and yep. everything's like very low tech and which is probably very true. Like you mentioned, you yep. think about these like middle Eastern countries where they have laser sighted uh, rocket launchers and they still live <laughs> without running water. Right. And, yep. and like you said, they've been true to it, but they, yeah. all they needed to set up a little, uh, you know, just like put up a ring Put a ring camera at the, at the door for you know.
1: my physician assistant, you know, not your physician assistant, but mine anyway. <laughs> her son's a big Star Wars fan and got her to watch Andor. Now, she mm-hmm. does not have anything to do with Star Wars, she couldn't yep. tell you who any of the main characters are. Even she's enjoying it more yep. organically, like a mm-hmm. Jack Ryan, like yep. a spy yep. thing, exactly. And she likes it so, yep. so she can like it and doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars. I think anyone could really enjoy the show,
0: yeah. So. I feel the same way. My the co-host I have for one, some of the other episodes, Sona. I, you know, her husband's a big Star Wars fan, and I was telling her like, you could watch this show, like you would probably get into it because it's all about these characters. It's not about the Star Wars mythology at all, which okay. has always been my complaint. to That of course we want the Star Wars mythology. That's what we get excited in those series, uh, seasons of shows that they came up with before. You know that's the hook. But now that we're here and I'm seeing Obi-Wan Kenobi or something, it's like, what is the story you're telling me? And they're like, no, there's no story. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, well, you got me here. You got you got to do something now, right? And, and yep. uh, this is maybe a little bit of the opposite where, and that's why I'm enjoying it so much, is that you really need no baggage, right? As a matter of fact, can you imagine someone who's watching this and just getting into this series and they'll watch season two and then watch Rogue One? How devastating is that going to be for them, right? So, oh,
1: unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that will be a tear moment. They'll cry a lot more than when Keanu Lloyd can't jump <laughs> off the platform. Yeah, but
0: even worse. It'd be that, that times 10, right?
1: Yep, absolutely. Cry more than the Titanic for James Cameron. <laughs> exactly,
0: <anyway>. exactly. <laughs> or Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> we might be crying for different reasons for that one.
1: <laughs> so true, <laughs> so true, man. But- All right, Ray,
0: thank you for the conversation.
1: Oh, anytime, anytime.
0: Right. I'll talk to you Take soon.
1: Care.